ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Yes, Elioff, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Welcome to ATV Talk. Oh, thank you, yeah. So you're, so you're down in Florida, You've raced rounds one and two, I'm assuming. Yes. So how did that go for you? Um, it round one was, uh, it was interesting. Um, I didn't get a great start. I forgot to turn my key on actually. And because the GNCCs are a dead engine start and I had a lot of nerves in my system racing women's pro and, uh, I was able to wrap up the championship early last year in women's amateur and I raced the the last race of the season in women's pro. So I got a little bit of the nerves out of my system, but the first round was still definitely nerve wracking. I think all the girls were nervous, but um, yeah, I forgot to turn my key on. So I didn't have a great start, but I was able to work my way up to second and hold second place till the end of the race. And then I uh, trained in between the races and um the second round, I was able to take home the win. So I was pretty pumped. I still didn't have a great start, but was able to push my way up and hold on to the top position. So I was super pumped to take it home first. So from what I hear, that's quite a feat because you have a pretty stacked field back there. We do. We do. Yeah. Going into the season, my husband was like, well, I'm hoping for like top five And my personal goal was a top three, just because racing the last race of the season with the girls, I kind of ranked myself right in top three, at least I was hoping. And then going into the season, that was my personal goal and getting top five, I would be happy, but like really happy with the top three. And, um, yeah, so taking home the win, it was, it's a huge accomplishment for me because like you said, it is a very stacked class and there's a lot of fast girls, like the whole, like top 10, top eight girls are super fast. So I was pumped. 
I'll have to admit that I'm just learning about your division um, in the XC women, and um, I'm pretty excited about it. You're the first of many that I hope to sit and talk with. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I've dealt, I've talked in depth with the women from the work series on the West Coast. Um, I've sponsored quite a few of them. Um, and I've got to sit down with the WMX gals and talk to each one of them individually or a few of them individually. And then I had a chat with them as well. And I'm hoping that I get to do the same with the WXC gals. Yeah. Yeah. There it's a great bunch of girls. I mean, they're, they're very nice, very helpful, do anything for you. I mean, I'm, I'm just beginning to learn them all as well, but everyone that I come in contact to, they're just, they're so willing to teach you. And it's a little different because my husband used to race motocross and the people just aren't as friendly as racing the XC. But um, no, I mean, they're, it's a great group of girls. I mean, it really is. That's so awesome to hear. Um, so if, if we could go backwards a little bit, because I know we jumped out into the front. Um, how did you get started in ATVs? Well, um, my husband races and, uh, he kind of got us into it. I mean, I've been riding four wheelers my whole life, but never really wanted to race them. And when I was real younger, I used to race motocross on like little fifties and 65 dirt bikes, but kind of got out of it. I mean, my siblings all raced as well. So I was always in the field of like racing, but racing four wheelers, I never really thought of doing because we were like dirt bike people, but um, then when I met my husband, we would ride in the woods with each other. And then he's like, you know, I really wanted to try like a local hair scramble. And, um, his actually first race was a GNCC in the woods and he loved it. So then the next year we raced a full season, which was 2018. And I was able to race the last race. Unfortunately, my husband had surgery and he couldn't race it in 2018. So I was able to race it and I fell in love with it. I mean, it's, a good and bad addiction because it's, it's a halfway expensive hobby, but it also keeps you out of trouble or I guess gets you into trouble. However you want to look at it. But, um, I raced a full season in 2019 and then won the women's amateur championship in 2020 and then moved up in 21 to WXC. That's pretty so, fast progression, but it's a sport that you either really like it or it's not for you because it is tough, but it's, it's a good addiction in my, in my eyes. <laughs> I, I think so too. I've been doing it my whole life and I, I wouldn't, wouldn't see myself or wouldn't want to be in any other industry. I think it's uh, amazing. Uh, do you have any issues with the mud? With the mud? Yeah. Um, well, I personally don't like riding in the mud, but fortunately I tend to do better in the mud. And I do landscaping for a living. So I have a lot of upper body strength and I feel that's an advantage to me that I feel I might be a little stronger in some cases of being able to get the quad unstuck if I get stuck in the mud to where other girls might not be as strong. And um, so I tend to do better in the mud, but I don't personally like riding in it. But unfortunately, like 2019, we had a lot of mud races last year. We were very fortunate. We only had maybe one or two, but it's either like really nice tracks or really muddy tracks. So it's, um, 
you know, there, there's different things that you do to the bike. Like there's big tires that you can run, um, you know, just different mud prep with, you know, duct tape to keep your bike from overheating and, um, you know, hand guards, bigger hand guards to protect your hands from getting all wet. Because once your hands get wet, you can't like hold onto the handlebars and it's super hard and slick and your seat gets all wet. And fortunately I don't sit down a lot, so I don't come into that problem too much. But when you do have to sit down, your butt sliding off the back of the seat. And, uh, so there's different, different, different difficulties going into a mud race, but it also, I think maybe evens out the playing field because, you know, it's not like a pristine track to where it's easy for everybody. Like it's a lot more technical. If you're going into a corner, super hot, you can't like lock up all your brakes because you're just going to slide into a tree. You have to come into it with a little bit more technique to be able to come into the corner and get out of the corner as fast as you can, rather than just being able to do it like you normally would, you know, on a nice dry track. So a <laughs> little bit more thought behind it, but, and your goggle prep is different for a mud race. So it's a lot more that goes into it and way more to clean up at the end of the day. So <laughs> I don't personally like mud races, but it, uh, it tends to happen. It's the name of the game sometimes. Did the learning the goggle prep and some of the setups for the mud, uh, help with your history in coming, coming into it with family members riding and I don't know, uh, you know what, forgive me, but I don't know what state you're from. I am from Ohio. So, okay. so yeah, we would ride in the mud a little bit, but yeah, you get some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of learning how to prep the bike for the mud came from previous racers that we met through either Facebook or being at the track, just pitting with them because the woods racing is a two hour long race. So you're out there and with a built motor, you can't make it the whole two hours on one tank of gas. So we have an oversized gas tank, but we still have to pit halfway through to get more gas in the quads. And then we're able to finish the race. So being able to pit with other people that have been racing for years, they've told us different things like taping the radiator, like the front of it to not allow the mud to get in there and pack in your radiator, but still allow airflow from the top and the bottom to get to cool your motor. Um, just different things like that, that you learn along the way, but mostly um, they're people that we just pit with that have been racing for several years in a row just taught us that stuff along the way and some stuff you just learn along the way <laughs> yeah it's it if you think that your education is over it never is uh, no <laughs> i've been doing this a long time and as many races as i've gone to you learn constantly i mean you just constantly learn it just happens you know there's yeah. nothing wrong with that i think it's great um what class does your husband ride in he rides in junior a so can you beat him? No, I wish I could. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's taught me a lot of what I know. I, I wish I could say I could, but I used to tell him why well, I, I hope I get at least half as fast as you. And he's like, you will one day. And now when I say he goes, oh, you're definitely more than half as fast as me. But yeah. we trip with each other and there's there's no way I can stay with him for a couple corners, but he pulls real quick. So he's definitely faster. but. Maybe one day I'll be as fast as him. <laughs> I think he's going to keep excelling because he's nervous. It could be. He jokes and says, well, I'm just going to give it up and take care of her bike and 
let her race. And, but I'm like, no, we can't do that. We're, we're a team. You can't leave me. (laughs) That's awesome. So what do you do for training? I mean, other than riding, I mean, that's, that's kind of a given. Yeah. So last year we did a lot of like two hour bike rides or you'd run roughly between like five to six miles. So roughly like an hour ish, we would, um, we go to our local gym and like this year we're doing a lot on the rower. Um, we do, um, a lot with a one elite training and that's one of our buddies. He owns that company and he's given us a lot of different workouts this year, which again is a lot on the pedal bike, a lot of rowing on the rowing machine, which I think has been a huge help this year because the rower is arm, back, legs, you know, abs, everything that you use when you're racing. So that's been a huge help, but just conditioning. I mean, I know you said you don't know a whole lot about the GNCCs, but when you're out there for two hours, you literally use probably every muscle in your body because mostly it's your legs and your arms. But when your legs and your arms get tired, then you're using your abs and your back and your calves like this race in Florida. After my race, I wasn't super tired, but then the next day, oh my gosh, my body was trashed. <laughs> and right. My calves are so sore. So you really, when you're training, you'd have to just train literally your entire body for like cardio and endurance because you're out there for two hours. So you definitely have to have a pace and keep like a consistent heart rate when you train, because that's what you try to do when you're out there is pace yourself throughout the whole two hours you're there and not like a sprint 20 minute moto you're out there for a lot longer period so you have to keep that endurance going for the whole time so that's um a lot of like we don't do fast workouts with our heart rate real high we do a longer slower workout because that's what you're doing out there so it's pretty awesome and you and your husband train together right we do yeah. You guys work together too? No, he's actually a fireman for our um, city that we live in in Ohio. He's a fireman and a paramedic. So he does that. And then I do landscaping. Well, I'm going to have to talk to him uh, for another <laughs> yeah. segment that I offer um, in, in, on, on ATV Talk called Inspired. Yeah, absolutely. He's a first responder. And I don't believe that uh, they get enough love in our community. Unfortunately, I would agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, he puts his life on the line. I think every day he goes to work. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe he has a slow day one day, but, you know, there's, there's more days not, you know, cleaning up that right. or whatever. So uh, I make sure you tell him that I uh, uh, give him a huge shout out and a pat on the back. I think that he uh, is an awesome guy and his service to uh, the community is is well noted. You know. Well, thank you. Yeah. Wow. It's just, <laughs> well, I work on ATVs for a living, you know, he saves lives for a living. There, there's no, <laughs> you know, I know. I, I tell him, I said, it takes a special person to be what, to do what you do. And I am not that special person. I, I can't have another person's life in my hands. <laughs> That's for sure. But well, being a professional race mechanic and doing the things that I've done, I, I kind of do have people's lives in my hands when they get on one of my machines and head off across the sure. desert or, or, or go to the starting gate. And um, that's stress enough for me. But if, if 
if their life depended on my decisions, um, I, I don't know if that would be the same. And I don't know if I could handle that kind of pressure. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I have been around GNC, GNCC for a number of years. I'm not schooled on everything that goes on back there, but I've been around a while. And, um, Bob Sloan rode for my brother. Oh, okay. And I got to go to uh, Blackwater and uh, spend a little time back there. And so I've done a little bit. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm a West Coast guy. We spent most of our time doing the motocross stuff back East. Um, we did a little bit of the the wood stuff. It just was never, um, after Bob, it just, yeah, it, it never caught on with us again the same way, you know? Yeah. When you lose a guy like that, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. Right. Yeah. I, I could imagine. So. Um, it, it, it's still very intriguing. I like to listen to the stories and to figure out what you're thinking when you're riding in the mud. And cause I see the pictures at the end and it's just, it seems like <laughs> you're, you're fighting the elements more than you're fighting the competitors. Oh yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent true. Absolutely. It's, it's a lot of actually like neck strength as well when you ride in the mud, because you don't think about it, but you have so much weight on your head and on your helmet that you tend to, or at least I tend to hold my helmet off of my head with my shoulders just to get that little bit of weight. But again, like if you have so much mud on your helmet, you don't just want to grab it with your hand and wipe it off. So you take the back of your hand and wipe it off with your like the back. So your hand doesn't get all muddy when you put it back on your grips. So, and unfortunately, sometimes you don't think about that in the moment because you're racing and it's so heavy and you're just get doing anything you can to pull the mud off. And then you grab your grips and they're all wet and slick because your gloves are all muddy. But like at our pit stop, if it's a real muddy race, we'll switch out goggles as well. And then if it's really muddy and if your gloves are super trash, then you switch out gloves as well. But like last year, I learned that you don't want to ride without gloves because I did a whole lap and I got stuck in the mud. And if you don't, you don't really think about it, but the mud is like either really like sloppy or it's super like suction. And those quads are heavy alone. And then you add on all of that mud on top of it. And I mean, they're probably like 400, 450 pounds. And then you put all that mud on top. And then me being a girl trying to move that around. And if I get stuck and even going through like muddy ruts, because when I race, I'm out there with like, I'm racing against the girls in my class, but I'm also out there with, there's roughly like in between 220, 250 four wheelers that are out there in the woods at the same time. And our course is typically around like 10 miles and we do about four laps. So if you're like one lap and you have 250, let's just say 250 quads going one lap, like the track gets very deteriorated. And when you go through cricks and then up a hill, that hill gets trashed because you're dragging that water up the hill with you. And me not having a whole bunch of weight on the quad, you're doing everything you can to get enough traction to get up the hill. And sometimes you don't make it and you got to go back down and try again. Or unfortunately, sometimes your quad doesn't make it and rolls down the hill or in a worst case scenario. But um, yeah, the mud is definitely 
very tricky and you have to use a lot of like thinking and looking ahead and like, I guess, planning, but you can't really plan a whole lot because you're going fast and you have to like make the split, like split decisions. But um, yeah, riding in the mud is definitely more difficult, but you know, it is what it is when like Florida was going to be a mud race, but fortunately the rain held off but again there were still some muddy sections there's there's probably muddy sections in every track that we ride but when it pours the week before or the morning of like it is i don't personally like it but again it is what it is and if i'm racing for points i'm gonna race the race so you just adapt and do the best you can and that's what i always tell myself i'm like all right well i'm just gonna do the best i can push the hardest that I can and whatever place I come out in, that's the best that I could do because I push myself the entire time. So let me ask you this question. When I started researching the WXC, the first name that came up was Hannah Hunter. Mm-hmm. Is she, is she all that? Or since you've pulled off a of first place already, do you think that you're going to dethrone her? How How is this going to roll for you? Um, no, I mean, she's definitely all that she, uh, she had has put in the hard work and last year she won 12 out of 13 races and she definitely knows what it takes to win the championship. Even though I won this last race, there's nothing saying that she can't come back and win the rest of them. I mean, she's definitely got the speed. She has the knowledge. She's been racing for longer than I have. So I feel that she's a little bit more experienced and knows maybe what the quad's going to do before it does it. And I'm still learning all of that. And um, yeah, because I've, I've only raced two full seasons. And so I'm still definitely learning, you know, how to read the terrain, how to read what the bike's going to do. And my body positioning to where a lot of the girls that have been racing the WXC, that stuff comes more natural to them because they've been doing it for a lot longer, but there's nothing saying that I can't go and win the rest of the races and wrap up the championship. So I always say that it's a two hour long race and a lot can happen in two hours. A lot can Unfortunately, happen in the last five minutes. Exactly. You know, a lot of people say you can't win the race in the first lap, but you can lose it. Yep. So, but that honestly, that goes for any lap. Like you can't, you can't, well, you can win it in the last one, but you can also lose it in the last one. I, I almost lost the win in the last race because I got stuck behind a couple four by fours that were stuck and broke down. And second place I figured was pretty close because like I said, it's a stacked class and I I would want, I was wanting to sit down throughout the two hours, but I'm like, Oh, you can't sit down. I have no idea how close they are behind me. And if you're not in first, when you go through scoring, it will tell you how far you're behind the leader. But when you're the leader, you have no idea how far second place is behind you. So me knowing that, you know, they're very fast and you literally can't take any break when you're in front because you have no idea how fast or how close the people are behind you. and. I could, they could make up 30 seconds a lap. They can make up a minute a lap. And in two hours, if your endurance isn't as good as the person behind you, then they're going to gain a lot on you because it's, it's a tiring race, especially in Florida where it got super rough and the Palmetto routes were terrible. And it's, uh, each track has their own 
difficulty and easy parts of it. But, you know, there's there's a lot that can happen in the two hour long race. But no, I mean, Hannah is definitely she she is legit. She's fast and she she knows what she's doing. So there's nothing saying that she can't come and win the next one. And there's nothing saying that I can't or Tracy Pickens, who is a 12 time champ before Hannah won last year. So uh, there's a lot. Came, that name came up too. Yep. <laughs> that name came up too. Uh, and, and there again, I, I, I try to go in cold. I don't want to know a lot because I want to bring out what you have to say about your yeah. story. You seem super confident, which I like that you, you don't get, um, youthful confidence like you have. Okay. You are, I can already tell you, you're very intelligent. So you're looking at angles that most people don't see that helps you in your overall package of racing. Um, the helmet thing with just wiping your helmet off. Not everybody gets it. And Mm -hmm. seasoned veterans take their hand and wipe their helmet off all the time. So little things like that. And I'm sure that your goggle prep, you're, you're looking at the insights of that. Um, I always hated goggle prep. I mean, just just (laughs) because I just want to go ride. I don't want to have to do this, you know, I know there's just so many little nuances. What insert do you run in your tires? Uh, We run tire balls. And we run them in the rear and in the front. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with tire balls. Uh, Been there, been there since uh, 2000, a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We use them on the West coast in, in different forms. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're desert racing, you can use a version of the ball block. If you're, uh, works racing, you can use balls or blocks. Um, works racing is nothing like GNCC, but it's the West Coast version of it. Mm-hmm. Higher speed. Um, rocks are the obstacles, not trees. Um, yeah. We try to stay away from the water. Um, I just, it's just not something we do well. A couple of years back, they had a race in, uh, Utah and then there was seven water crossings and the GNCC boys waxed everybody because they were prepared. <laughs> we're, we're idling through the creeks and they're jumping off into them and gone, you know, yep. and, and it was a t- totally different world for all of us. Um, so we've stepped our game up a little bit. But there again, you get prepared, you start learning about the water and then you go four years with no water. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, I've got this knowledge, <laughs> but I, I can't put it into practical use because there's no water. So, right. And then you forget about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, being in the position I'm in sometimes you, you can't forget, you have to be prepared. Right. Um, but sometimes you leave your water gear at home. Because, oh, it's just another desert race, you know, or just another dry race. And if you don't read the um, terrain where you're going and you don't know much about it, you're in trouble. Like you're still relatively new to the series. So there's certain thing, aspects of the tracks that you may not catch yet. But I think the group that you're hanging around with, 
are giving you guys insight to a lot of it. So you're prepared. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, there's, that's awesome. It will kind of like you said earlier, you know, there's, if you think you're done learning, then you're, you're not, you know, it's, there's always something to learn, always something to improve on. And I'm always looking to learn more. Uh, that's you have to. So yeah, with you winning this first race, a lot of heads have turned or the, yeah. the you win in the second <laughs> round, a lot of heads have turned. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, so the, the experienced gals going in and the young gal coming up inexperienced, do you think they're going to treat you different? Um, they haven't so far. So I would say, I mean, I would hope probably not, but you know, I guess it depends on if I keep winning or if I keep taking top three, but well, I guess we'll wait and see. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, the group of girls are so nice and so willing to help out with things, which is halfway unusual because you think that, you know, you're racing against them, you're competing against them and now racing pro, like you're racing for more than just a position, like you're racing for money. And it's odd because they're so willing to just teach you things and tell you things and just like literally be there for you and support you off the racetrack. And then when you're on the racetrack, like it's game on, we're friendly, but it's still like, Hey, you're racing, you know, rubbing's racing, especially in the woods. And so it's, it's a different thought process because all of last summer, my husband would ride and practice. I mean, I was right there with him, but he would practice with the top guy in his class. And, you know, at first I'm like, you know, should we be riding with him because you race against him, but he was faster. So he was learning things from him. And same thing with like a couple of the girls last year in the women's pro, they'd ride with each other on the off season. And, you know, it's just different because you think if you're racing against each other, you don't want to completely learn everybody's strong points and weak points. But it's also, you know, if you know someone's faster then ride with them, learn from them, because I feel like everybody in this sport is always trying to improve and not just stay the same. And I don't feel that anybody's in it for themselves. Like all the, at least all the people that we've come in contact with, they're so willing to just jump in and help out and be there for one another, even though you're racing against one another. So it's different, but it's such a cool thing because you're, it's like a whole second family that you don't know people, but they're so like, my husband almost ran out of gas on the last race and his fuel light came on and he wasn't close enough to the pit stop. And he asked a random guy in the woods, he's like, Hey, can I borrow just a little bit of gas? And the guy gave him some gas. So it's like, you know, there, I'm sure he had the gas for his kid, his friend, his brother, you know, whoever, but he was willing to give another racer a little bit of gas. He had no idea who it was. I mean, it's just such a friendly atmosphere and I would encourage anybody who hasn't tried GNCCs just to try it because everybody's just so nice. I think what you'll find is if you get a chance to travel to the West coast or you do a, a GNC race, the family of ATVs, we're small. We're not as, we're not as big as the motorcycle people. Yeah. Not as cutthroat as the motorcycle people. Um, <laughs> I, I believe that 
we're welcoming from the East coast and the East coast is welcoming from the West coast. And we're all trying to promote an industry that is semi wounded. Yeah. A little down and we need each other to grow the numbers and we need each other as a, as a friend. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, not off topic, but on kind of the same topic when you're out in the woods and you're stranded and you need help, is there, is there help? Not necessarily from the spectators, but from maybe another racer. Oh yeah. There was several times that, you know, some people are definitely in it for like they're racing, they're top of the class. Like they're probably not going to stop and help you. But like last year I was stuck on kind of an uphill, not a steep hill, but an uphill. And I was stuck behind another person and I got off and helped that person get off. and or get out of the ruts. And I just physically could not get my quad out. And there was a racer that just stopped racing and he got off his quad and he just picked up my back end just by the axle. He grabbed the hold of the axle, picked it up and literally just drug it out of the ruts. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that is just brute strength. And I couldn't do it, but he just stopped his race picked up the back end of my quad, drug it out. And he's like, all right, hop on there, take off. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) I was just dumbfounded because, you know, he just stopped his race and helped me get out. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where racers will help you or like I race in the mornings with the four by fours. And again, I was stuck on a hill and I was getting ready to get off and a four by four was coming up behind me and he had to keep his momentum to get up the hill. And he goes, get back on the quad, get back on. So I hop back on and he just pushes me straight up the hill. So, you know, with his four wheelers, his front bumper was on my grab bar and just pushed me straight up because they have four wheel drive. So got right up the hill. And then, you know, I let him by because he was faster and we just went on racing. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the racers, I mean, again, you get some people who aren't going to get off the quad because again, like the last race, I probably wouldn't get off the quad and help someone because I was in first. But, you know, there was one time that I got off and helped somebody because, you know, it's kind of like some of the races are so muddy that it is, I think you said it earlier, it's like a survival race. You just do what you have to do to get through the two hours. And you're just thanking God when you see that checkered flag. You're like, oh my gosh, I made it. <laughs> I finished the race. <laughs> Does your husband race in the morning with you or is he race in the afternoon? He races in the afternoon and the morning is women's pro four by four pro. And then I'm probably going to mess this up because I haven't been doing it for too long, but I believe it's some school by school boy classes and the C classes. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, so I race at 11 and then he races at two and that's all like your main pros, your XC one, which is, or XC2, which is Pro-Am, and then all of your A and B classes. So he's there for you to pit you and to look after you, and then he starts his prep to go to the line and things like that, um, and probably keeps his eye on the the pits to make sure that, that you're going by and everything. Yeah. Yep. He stays at the trailer, and he pits me. And then I'm finishing, and they go out on the same course that we came off of. Mm-hmm. So that's why all of the more experienced riders race in the afternoon because we race for two hours. And when I come off the track dying 
and like, oh my gosh, that last lap was terrible. Well, he goes out and my last lap is his first lap. And then they do four laps on the track that we just came off of. That you just and then destroyed. I, yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I pit for him while he's, while he's out there. So it's, it's a crazy sport. That's for sure. But it's definitely fun. Oh, I can imagine. I, I would, <laughs> I personally would love to try the four wheel drive class. Yeah. I've, I've ridden sport quads my whole life. Um, but then this has no comparison. So all you four wheel drive nuts, uh, I think you guys are awesome and I have the utmost respect, but we were doing some, uh, uh, cleanup in the river bottom, uh, for my brother. And we were, I was on a four wheel drive quad hauling a trailer and I was having a ball, you know, yeah. in a four wheel drive, getting it to drift and everything, towing a trailer, you know? Yeah. Uh, so big machines. I can't, I, I would love to race them. Um, I've talked uh, in depth with Mike Penland uh, about it. He's been on the show a couple of times and uh, I just think that those guys, I, I think they get shortchanged a little bit because of the sport quad pros. I believe it's, it's pretty hard to take one of those big monsters and go as fast as they do. Oh yeah. It's impressive to watch them ride. You know, I, when in 2018, when I was just spectating with my husband racing and watching them go by and just the mean sound of the motor and the exhaust, just <laughs> racing by you're like, Oh my gosh. And now being out there in the woods with them, you can definitely tell that, all right, this is a sport quad behind me, or this is a four by four, just because of the sound and just the power that they have. And yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they have power steering, but still it takes just some strength to be able to just manhandle that machine in the woods and the rough terrain that we go through and such a heavier machine than what we have. And when they get stuck and the four by four, the four wheel drive can't get them out. I mean, they got to try to get that thing out or be drug out or something. I mean, there's, there's definitely some strong guys out there that can handle those machines. Yeah. I don't even know how much they weigh. Uh, I mean, I, I really I, never, I, probably I 800 pounds. Sure it, it's gotta be up there close to 800 pounds. Oh yeah. Every bit of it. I'm reaching out to a couple of guys that race uh, pro four by four, hopefully that they'll find some time and, and sit down and talk with me being that I'm a, a sport quad guy. They may uh, be a little reluctant, but <laughs> you know, uh, breaking into the XC world, uh, even though I have some background to it and I know, you know, some of the riders, um, it's still a little difficult because I don't know all the nuances and, um, I have to learn a whole new uh, for lack of a better word, a whole new genre. Um, yeah. And immerse myself in it a little so that I can uh, understand the craziness of wanting to ride in the trees in the mud. <laughs> I know it's, it, it does sound crazy saying that. And a lot of people, when you try to explain it to them, they're like, you do what? Like, you think that's fun? And, you know, post, posting pictures on Facebook and Instagram after the races and just for your sponsors and, you know, the family and the friends that you have that support you. Um, yeah, you get some crazy comments like, you know, what were you doing and where were you at and how far did you drive for that? And like, <laughs> just, like I said, the cleanup from a muddy race. I mean, 
thankfully my husband does a lot of the pressure washing because he says, I don't pressure wash the quads good enough, but I get to wash all of the smaller things and all of our gear and helmet and boots and all of that. But just the prep, like it takes a good full day to clean, to pressure wash the four wheelers. We take the plastic off after a muddy race, you know, we pressure wash, then we take the plastic off and wash again. And then the gas tank comes off and then the front tires come off because you blow the brakes out and make sure no mud stuck on the brake pads. I mean, it's a full on clean. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and if you wash them that much, then you have to take the pivots all apart and re-grease the pivots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the world you live in is the world I live in because off-road racing on the West coast, we deal with a little bit of mud, but the damage that the dirt does and the rocks do, you're doing the same thing. I'm not dealing with near the mud that you are, but still I'm doing the same thing and you have to take the pivots apart and grease the pivots constantly. And, uh, if you're riding a Yamaha, your, your calipers are a little bit more durable than they are on the Honda. Uh, so you have to replace some pieces on a Honda that you don't have to replace on a Yamaha. Um, the Yamaha guys may go, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, on the West coast, we don't have the same problems, but (laughs) they're, There's nothing like, I love that when the woods guys come and race a true off-road where the motocross track isn't the equalizer. When you take them out in the desert and you have to hit edges and fifth gear, um, they have a whole new respect for it. Oh yeah. I, I could only imagine. Uh, it's, it's totally nuts. It's totally nuts. I've not been a pro. I, I was an A rider. Um, and I had a great time being an A rider. I got to race desert in the pro class, but not never made it, uh, never made it to the top of the box. The best I could get was second. Um, but it was still a lot of fun. And I mean, high speed racing, it's so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. But you had fun. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I would race today if I could. Um, I, I will never be the racer that I am a mechanic. Um, and I had to come to terms with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't even get to ride that much anymore. I do a little bit of testing for the shop. Um, uh, I test a few race bikes now and again. Um, and then I do all the testing for before we deliver a customer's machine to them. Um, uh, so that, so I do get to ride. I don't get to ride like everybody else does, but I'm still on the back of a machine and, and doing my thing that way a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah, you get to go do that. <laughs> yeah. You still get your fix though. A, a little bit, not as much, but a little, you know, and, yeah. and there's no substitute for, um, there's no substitute for getting on the starting line and, and watching the green flag drop. There just isn't. I mean, you know, you have it now you have the fix for the rest of your life. You'll, you'll, if you stopped racing tomorrow for the rest of your life, you have to deal with that. It never goes away. You know, um, I used to be a mechanic for a guy named Doug Eichner. And, uh, you probably don't know who he is, but, uh, he won a lot of quad races. And, um, I asked him after he stopped racing UTVs, you know, Hey, did the UTV ever, ever do it for you? And he goes, never. He says, I'd get done racing the UTV and be disgusted whether I win or break. 
it, it just never was the same. And that's one of the reasons why I stopped because it never fulfilled the need for racing the quad. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy to think about. Well, you got to think he had a career that spanned almost 30 years. Yeah. So you see what you have to look forward to? (laughs) You think it's just going to go away that easy? No. I mean, and racing is something you just have a strong passion for. Yes. You know, like, like I said earlier, you know, if you do it, you either love it and it's definitely for you or you try it and you're like, heck no, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. But you know, if you love it, like I said, it's, it's a good or bad addiction, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> you know, if kept in perspective, you know, when you race pro for money, like you do, there's a different, it's a different circle because you are racing for money. Yeah. So it, it is a, it is a higher plateau. If you're racing for a trophy, you can roll it off your back a little easier. You can make it a little more fun. No offense to you, but you do have to take it more seriously because there's dollar signs there. Oh, yeah. Well, and a lot more people are watching you. And I'm not going to say it's not fun anymore because obviously if it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. But, you know, nobody's making a killing, a killer living off of racing. But, you know, you could make a decent dollar if you're if you do good. But the sport alone is expensive. So a lot of the money you make just goes back into the sport because you replace the parts that you break on your bike or, you know, getting into each of the races and race gas isn't cheap, but you know, it's, you, you gotta love it, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I would definitely agree with you when you said that it's, it's a lot more serious when you're racing pro because not like I'm not having fun because again, Obviously, if you're not having fun, you wouldn't do it, but it's a different mindset, I guess, going into pro because yeah, you are racing for money and a lot more people are watching you, like watching how you act, what you say, what you're posting on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. And you get a lot more from your sponsors and they're giving you this product. So obviously you want to do good to support their company and hopefully get them more business. So you have just a lot more than just going out there and oh, I'm going to, I hope I take top three and get a nice trophy. And, you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously still fun, but yeah, it's definitely more serious racing pro and for money rather than just going out there and trying to do good and have fun with your friends. Well, as long as you maintain the fun part, even when you make it a job and you make it serious, um, I talked to Bill Barron. and he's the works champion out here on the West coast. Mm-hmm. And he just gets a big old little kid grin on his face. I get to go racing. It's a great, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and you, you think this is a 40 year old man and, and he's just acting like he just freaking got a piece of candy at the candy store and he's five years old. You know, he, he loves it. And, uh, I, I try to express that to any riders that I deal with. Hey, we could be at home pulling weeds or we get to go race an ATV today. Yep. You, you, you tell me which one's more fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, even when you don't do good, it's, 
you know, it sucks when you don't do good or it sucks when you break down and there's a mechanical issue that you can't help that happens. But, you know, like you said, it's always better than a day at your job. And even if you love your job, you know, racing, it's just your passion, your joy, you're out, you know, you get to just go do something and leave all your other worries and just go have fun and focus on just riding. So, yeah, I mean, the day that you're not having fun at it anymore is probably the day you should stop because it's exactly. not worth exactly. not having fun doing it. Exactly. When the green flag drops, the only thing that matters is the trail in front of you. Yeah. You know, your mind should be clear of all the other things. And, you know, if you have to rub a little bit to to take home that cash, hey, you know, sorry. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I made it by the tree. Sorry, you didn't. <laughs> you know, Oops. I'm sure that you can talk to anybody and they they can say that they've been on both sides of that fence. They've been the person pushing someone into a tree and they've been the person pushed into the tree. Right. So. <laughs> and, and at the level you are, you're going to have that battle. Oh yeah. You, you know, that you have already. Fun, I mean, it wouldn't be fun if you just got out there and just pulled away from everybody and didn't have a battling race. I mean, battling oh, with people. Too. Yeah. I mean, it teaches you stuff and it makes it interesting and keeps it fun. At least in my eyes. I mean, maybe other people don't think that same way, but at least for me, it's fun riding with people and battling back and forth. And obviously you want to come out on top, but sometimes it doesn't always happen and just deal with the punches. So you're, from what I'm gathering through our conversation, envision this for the the future of your life for now. For now, yeah. I know nothing lasts forever, but uh, right. <laughs> with the grin I see on your face, and I see the fire in your eye. I don't see you stopping the racing anytime soon. I don't plan on it. Yeah. The, the past couple of years, I've definitely been learning years, but I feel I've progressed pretty quickly. And I just, I love doing it. And it's, it's something that me and my husband can do together. And, you know, I'm there for him and he's there for me. And we like mentally and physically support each other through it. And it's something that we can just go and get away from all of the stresses in life and we just go have fun, you know, and, and some people don't understand that because they're like, Oh, you're spending so much money doing it and all the time and the miles on the truck. And it's like, yeah, but we get to drive 12 hours with each other and talk the whole time. And then just the excitement that now on the way home from the races, it's not just him talking to his buddies about the race and what happened and, you know, making all the racing sounds and the noises that his quad made and me just laughing at him now, like I'm participating with him and like, Oh yeah, hon, my quad was doing this. And they're like making this noise and my front end of this. And like, we can actually have a conversation about it and both of us understand what's actually going on and not just, you know, me going, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. Or that sounds cool. Like we can actually, it's something that we do together and I, I love doing it. And it's like I said, it's not a sport for everybody, but it's definitely something that we can do together. And I, I love it. That's, that's, that's uh, where I have this little conversation in just about every conversation that I have, why ATV talk happened. I love ATV racing. I love the ATV sport. Um, I got my first ride when I was four years old in 1969. See, I told you I was old. 
<laughs> and I was hooked then. And then I got to progress watching my dad build uh, the old three-wheeler engines and use his dyno and do things that other kids didn't get to see. Yeah. Um, but as my life progressed, I got to travel across the planet uh, and do th amazing things in the ATV world and meet amazing people. And I have amazing friends all over the world. Um, and I started thinking about this years ago, you know, when nobody ever gets to tell their story, you know, True. just think if this ATV talk keeps going after you're a multi-time champion <laughs> or a multi-year veteran, you'll come back and you'll tell me stories about races that you had and things that you experienced and people that you had got to meet and you'll have another outlet or another time and another experience. And the fans, the fans that you have that you don't even know you have, will get to hear those stories and get to be part of your life and your experience that they are not now. Right. No, it's absolutely, it's, it's awesome what you're doing. I, I think it's a great thing for, like you said, the fans and just there's, I don't have a whole lot of personal stories yet because I've not been doing it for too long, but just the couple podcasts that I've listened to so far of you guys, it's, it's awesome just to hear the other people's stories and especially someone who's been doing it for a long time. And even, you know, just, just to hear their passion and their excitement for what they do or did or experienced. And I love listening to this racing stories and just, you know, people's lives. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. I think you're going to have a bright future. Uh, I like the confidence in you. I really do. Um, that I've dealt with a number of racers in my life. Um, very seldom do you meet somebody that's boisterous like you are. And, and I can just tell by talking to you, you're not going to quit. You train hard, you use your physical fitness to the best of your ability. And then you go out there and what you lack in knowledge and skill you make up for in sheer determination. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it, 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 it's, it's not me. You told me that just by the way you talk, just by the way you carry yourself. I can already, I can already see it. So, and winning that race, um, I had no idea. Um, there again, I love, I love hitting, being hit cold with things that, uh, spark my interest and that does. So, uh, we're definitely going to have to have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would like to, uh, just already pre-invite you for an end of the year segment where you can come back and talk to me about the whole year and tell me how it went for you. Um, and, and go on from there. Uh, if you would be so kind as to talk to your husband and tell him about inspired, you could listen to a couple of the inspired episodes. Um, episode five, which just launched today, uh, is a former Marine and a man that I train with, uh, that I had no idea who he was. I had no idea who this man was. And he is, in my opinion, a badass. 
<laughs> he's got the nicest guy in the world. You'd never, never know that he was a, a war fighter and did the things that he did. And, and, uh, and, and I'm assuming that your husband is probably in the same mold being a firefighter and the things that he's seen and the things that he's done. And, yeah. and if it's not something that he wants to talk about, I understand. Oh yeah. I'll definitely ask him about it. So that would be great. Um, you need to stay positive and uh, make sure you log those stories for me and stay in touch with me, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always willing to hear if something comes up in your life and you need to talk about it, we can plug it in. You know, uh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty congenial. I can tape on a Saturday or Sunday if I have to, or, you know, set up an, an additional time some other day, if something comes up and you really need to talk about it. Um, and, and we can, we can fit you in. And, and I've really, in, I'm surprised. I am very surprised and enjoyed this very much. I hope you can tell that. Yes, I can tell. And I, I have definitely enjoyed this as well. I'm, I'm happy you reached out to me and uh, gave me the opportunity to be able to talk to you. Well, my team is all consistent of family members. Um, I'll just give you the little rundown. It's just easy. Everybody hears it. So um, <laughs> my daughters, my oldest daughter is Juliana. She doesn't really care about ATVs. I was gone all the time when she was little. So she really doesn't care. Her son's ride and uh, I'm building some grandkid quads and I've purchased a quad for, for one of her sons already. And her husband races, uh, I'm going to destroy this, but like mini sprints, uh, okay. dirt cars. And, um, my son, my oldest son, Danny lives in Idaho and would love to be a part of racing and race himself. Um, but life took him away. Uh, you know, mm. he, had to, he had to go, uh, you know, he had to go do his thing, you know, and, uh, he got in the military, got injured, um, struggled a little bit, became a respiratory therapist. The best job he could get was in Idaho. And that's where he lives with his three children and his wife. Yeah. My children here are my wife's children. Um, and it's Paula, Daniel and Valeria and Valeria and Daniel do, uh, Instagram for me. Okay. And Daniel reached out to you on our okay. form. Yeah. And, and got with you the first time. And then uh, I noticed what was going on and got involved in it. And they got you my information and or got me your information. And we started talking and, and here we are. And Valeria edits all my episodes and she's really good at it. She's, she's young and this is what she wants to do for a living. That's awesome. Well, and her and her sister, Paula, are the reason ATV talk happened. Because I have another company called, or the parent company called Duncan Tech International. That is a company that feeds off of Duncan Racing. So racers that want machines built or riders that need development or programs that need help, um, you know, consulting, whatever. That's what my, my secondary company is. Okay. So they were helping me build that. And I mentioned podcasting and here we are. They, yeah. they just kind of made it happen. <laughs> you know, I still don't yeah, even know how it awesome. happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I still don't know how it happened. I'm not a media guy. I'm a mechanic. I love working on quads and uh, I don't work on UTVs. I work on ATVs. Um, 
So that's a little bit about my backstory for you. Yeah. Um, so keep in touch with me. Let's do this again. And congratulations on your win. And oh, before I forget, it's International Women's Day. So I hope your day was, was outstanding. Yeah, we, we did all of our bike prep for Georgia race. So it could be worse, right? It, it could be worse. I'm, I'm in Florida and soaking in the sunshine while I can, because who knows what the weather's like in Ohio. <laughs> That's why I live in Southern California. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> well, the taxes are a little higher, but, you know, I guess. We the have to yeah, the weather's great. The weather's usually <laughs> always great. Uh, um, yeah. If you could leave us with some inspiring words for the younger ladies that want to get into racing, what would they be? Oh, that's kind of a tough one. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind that I could just tell someone is, you know, don't give up on your dreams because I always say like, go, go big or go home. But I mean, it's kind of true. Like if you want something like you can do anything you put your mind towards is what my dad would always tell me when I was younger. And if someone else can do it, you can do it. So don't, don't ever give up on your dreams. If you, if you want to do something, make it happen. You know, life's too short to just live an average life. And, you know, some of my friends are like, well, how do you do it? Like, how do you get the time off and make the time to do it? And I'm like, you know, you could die tomorrow and why? Yeah. It's a lot of money that we spent doing it, but you the money just, it can't replace the time and the friendships that you make. And, you know, you just, I try to live every day to the fullest and just enjoy every day that I can, because who knows when is going to be your last. So, you know, don't, don't give up on your dreams. If you want it, go for it, you know, work for it, make it happen. That's, that's awesome. That's, you couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. And that was outstanding. Um, young lady, the utmost respect. And, and I hope that you have an outstanding season and I Thank hope you. that you succeed in all your, your dreams in ATV racing. Um, I know that you have some tough competition, uh, and I'm not going to take anything away from those ladies, uh, because I know that they're fast and I know that they're strong and I know that they're going to give you a run for your money. Oh yeah. So just keep working. So, um, I also would like to ask you a, a favor. Okay. Um, the other ladies, um, I would like to see if we could get a chat going. Yeah. With, with three of you and myself and talk okay. about the WXC and the things to help promote you guys and the things where you see your future growing. Um, so if you would, if you get a chance to uh, talk with them about it and, and tell them that I'm interested in sitting down with, with them uh, individually and as a chat, uh, it's, it's something that I think that will help promote um, WXC. Oh yeah. And, uh, I'm all about it because um, my daughters need the same support that my sons do and um, they don't always get it. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, I think you said you guys have only been doing the podcast for eight months now. Yes. And so you guys are wanting to grow, but 
I think you've grown tremendously in the past eight months that you've been doing it. And, you know, I, I think you guys have grown so fastly because there is a need for what you're doing and the stories and, you know, people like to tell their stories and like to, you know, be exposed and get their name out there. And again, like for sponsors and just, just because, you know, some people like to talk and just have a conversation with someone. And I, I think it'd be great just to sit down and like you sit down and talk with the, a couple other of the women pro and along with just all of us talking together. And, you know, like I said, having a conversation, I, I think that'd be awesome. Well, it, it, it gets the promotion of the WXC to another level. Yeah. And another outlet. Yeah. Because I don't see you having an outlet. I don't see the XC having an outlet in some areas. They just, nobody promoting it. Uh, It's promoted word of mouth and it's promoted in the, in the little circle. Well, but internationally, internationally, I don't see you being promoted. Um, Right. ATVs in general aren't promoted internationally. So yeah. Uh, we're in 82 countries and growing. And um, so be prepared. You're going worldwide. That's awesome. I look forward to it. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you could use the old King Kong thing where you stick your chest out and pound on it and say, let's do this. <laughs> you know, you're ready to go. Yeah, I'm in. Let's go. No fear. I love it. No fear. <laughs> I bet you your husband has a hand, his hands full. <laughs> Some days. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> uh, yes. My wife is, is, is very strong willed and um, I'm a type a personality as well. So there are days when I have to sit down and shut up because. Yep. Just dial back a little. Yeah. Cause she's not going to let it up. So. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, thank you so much. I know it's getting late there and I really appreciate you spending some time with me and ATV yeah. talk and um I'll be in touch with you. I will need some things from you a little okay. later. I got some photos from you. Those are going to work great. Um but I will need something closer to your episode airing. Um it looks like it will air 525 and you'll be episode 68. Okay. Perfect. So it's a little I, I do tape a little ahead out. I'm sorry, but content is everything. And I get nervous if I don't have episodes taped. So oh, no, I, I understand completely. So you're totally good. And I look forward to talking to you at the end of my season. When does your season end? Uh, typically it is the last weekend in October, but like last year we had the last weekend in October and then we had one that went into November because it was a makeup rain date. So unfortunately, if it rains too much, they'll cancel the race and then reschedule. So we have a rescheduled date, I believe in July, because we take a two month summer break. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because like a lot of people go on vacations and they just didn't have great turnouts or if it's because, you know, it's really hot and it's, you know, like brutal to ride for two hours in that extreme heat. But they do take a two month summer break it's uh, July and August and then start back up in September and do September, October. But again, if there's, there's a makeup date in July and then I believe a makeup date in November, but typically it's the end of October is the end of our season. 
if you would be so kind as to put that on your calendar and reach yeah. out to me, say via email, via text message, Hey, season's coming to an end. Let's get something on paper and, and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, have a great evening and good luck in Georgia. I will be thank watching. You. So thank you. You know that you'll uh, you'll get a message from me regardless. So uh, <laughs> trust me, I I've been checking the results from all the races and and reaching out to everybody because once I've talked to you now. I think we're in the same family. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta know. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> yeah. let you know that I seen. So, all right. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm uh, happy that I got to talk to you and I'm excited. So, I think you. you did awesome. Thanks. <laughs> you didn't freeze. You didn't get nervous. You just, that, that confidence just rolled right into conversation. Good. Yeah. That's. I try. It's it's easy to talk about something that you enjoy. So Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'll let you go, young lady. You have a wonderful Alrighty. evening and thank, thank you so you. much. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATV Talk Podcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.